good to be here this morning. Good to be here on this brisk Florida morning. It's a beautiful weather that we enjoy in this part of the country. And, uh, beautiful, another beautiful Lord's Day that we've been blessed with. What's so important about this day is that indeed it is the Lord's Day. The day that we can come together to study from God's Word and to gather around the table and remember that great sacrifice that our Lord paid for our sins. Hear a message from God's Word. Join our voices together in song. What a wonderful day this is. The day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There's someone that appears in Scripture many times. He is there in the earliest passages, in the early beginnings there, book of Genesis. And he is there in the final book, Revelation, right up to the end. You see him appear there in John's writing in Revelation. He is referenced many times throughout Scripture. His influence in Scripture is predominant. He is known by many different names, many descriptions. It all refers to that one person we're talking about. One of those descriptions is a roaring lion. We talk about a roaring lion. Of course, I'm talking about Satan. This morning, I want to talk about some lessons that we can learn from the three times that Satan speaks in the Bible. There are some great lessons that we can learn, some things that we can ponder, some application that we can make in our own lives. How Satan addresses man and God, man and God's response to that, and what our ultimate aim is to be, what our ultimate victory is over Satan. So let's look at some things that we can learn from the times that Satan speaks in the Bible. First time is in Genesis chapter 3, if you'd like to turn there. Genesis chapter 3. Very familiar with this passage. We know what this is. This is when Satan speaks to, speaks to man. In this case, speaks to woman. In the Garden of Eden. There in chapter 3, beginning of verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the tree was good for the food, and it was a delight to the eye, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband, and he ate. We're very familiar with this story. We know what's taking place here. When the devil speaks to man, when he speaks to them in the Garden of Eden, He's attacking that creation of God. As soon as man and woman come together in that first family, that first relationship, Satan comes on the scene. He tries to deceive them. 
He does so by twisting God's word. God said, don't eat from this tree. For, for when you do, you will surely die. What does Satan say? <coughs> you won't die. It's just God. He's just telling you this so that you won't know good and evil like he does. Satan twists God's words and uses them against man. As a result, there's severe consequences for disobedience. Severe consequences for disobedience. Look down in verse 15. Excuse, let's go to verse 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall bring forth your children. Yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree which you are commanded, which I command you, saying you shall not eat from it, <coughs> cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. And you shall eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Severe consequences for disobedience. Man and woman had a good situation in the Garden of Eden. When they sinned, they were separated from God. They died that spiritual death. Because of that, the pronouncement was made to woman, you're going to have great pains in childbirth, and you're going to be servant to your husband. You're going to be submissive to your husband. Your desire is going to be to him. For man, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to eat from now on. And when you die, your body's going to return to the earth. All this set in motion. God's plan for redeeming man back to him. Look back in verse 14. It says, And the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. There was a punishment for the serpent too. <coughs> punishment for Satan in this as well. Look what it says in verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. It's our first inklings of the Messiah that would come. Our first inklings of understanding what it would take to redeem man back to God. The pronouncement says, He shall bruise you on the head, you shall bruise him on the heel. There's that forward looking all the way to the cross when our Lord was hung on the cross. Bruised on the heel, yes. Satan, however, was bruised on the head. His powers would be greatly limited by the putting to death of our Lord. But it would take that to get all the way there to, to redeem man from his sins and what we must do following after that. There's great consequences of disobedience as we see that. Separated God from man. This is the first time we see Satan speaking in the Bible. Second time is over in Job chapter 1. Turn there with Job chapter 1. <clears throat> Second time we see Satan speaking, it's here in Job. In this instance, he speaks to God. In Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, 
It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came along with them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where did you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming around on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Hast thou not made a hedge about him on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now, and touch all that he has. He will surely curse thee to thy face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that you have is in your power. All that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> Satan's going to attack the earthly possessions that Job has. He's going to lose all his cattle and his oxen and his sheep. He's going to lose his children. He's also going to lose his, his health. In chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Again there was a day when the sons of God came to the presence themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before the Lord. Verse 2 of chapter 2, And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth. He is blameless and upright, man fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. However, Put forth thy hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee in thy face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power, only spare his life. Verse 7, Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Satan tested Job by getting rid of his wealth, getting rid of his health. Even a righteous man is not safe from the devil. God said about Job, he's a righteous man. Have you considered him? Have you considered Job? He's a righteous man. Even a righteous man is not safe from the devil. In fact, there's argument that a righteous man is in more danger from the devil because the devil has lost that money. While we're in sin or we're outside the body of Christ, we have no hope of salvation. The devil is one. Once we become a part of God's body, the Lord's body, the devil comes after us. He'll use everything he can, every trick in his book to come after us. Wealth or health, these things are not off limits to the devil, as we see here from Job. What's the lesson? Don't put trust in earthly things. Job had everything taken from him, his wealth, his children, his health. Yet he didn't curse God. He was tested. Strongly so. He kept his faith in God. Don't put trust in earthly things. There's no amount of wealth, no amount of health that's more important than our trust in God. The third time we see Satan speak. 
It's in the Gospels. Matthew records it, and Luke records it, both in chapter 4. Let's look in Luke chapter 4. We'll look at Luke's account. We know what this is. This is the temptation of our Lord. This is the temptation when our Lord was in the wilderness for 40 days, fasting, being tested by the devil. You're there in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led about by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. A lot of times we think about he was there 40 days and then the devil tempted him. We look at Luke's account and look how that reads. Look carefully what it says. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He was being tempted during that whole time. The Gospels record this conversation here, these last three temptations. When we see there from Scripture, he's being tempted the whole time. Verse 2, And he ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of Man, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. Satan is speaking to Jesus. What's interesting about it, who Jesus was, we talk about this a lot in our Hebrews class, Jesus was man and God. Satan first spoke to man, and spoke to God. The last account he speaks to man and God at the same time, speaking to our Lord Jesus Christ. He attacks the divine power of God. And what he says here, if you are the Son of Man, tell the stones to become bread. In verse 5, And he led him up and showed him the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and this glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship me, it shall be yours. Verse 8, And Jesus answered and said to him, It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Notice every time that Jesus rebuts the devil, what does He say? It is written. The devil is trying to twist God's words. He's trying to twist, he's attacking the very power of God. Jesus says, it is written. Verse 9, And He led him to Jerusalem, and He had and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Here's the devil trying to use the same ploy that Jesus was using. It is written. It's twisting scripture. Verse 12, And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Notice the devil used to twist God's word. Does it all the time. Continues to do it. There's so much out there of twisting of God's word. Well, that doesn't really mean this. This is what it means. You heard that? Be careful. The devil did the same thing. Twisting God's word. 
In this account, we see him praying on Jesus' vulnerability. Jesus was fasting for those 40 days. He was weak. He was tired. He was hungry. Jesus used that as an opportune time. Look what it says there in verse, the end of verse 13. He departed from him for a more opportune time. The devil does that. He exploits those times. He exploits vulnerability. He exploits our weakness. The times when we're down, we're hungry and tired. The devil can be there to exploit that time. I mentioned that Luke's account it seems that he was tempted throughout the 40 days. If you look there in verse 13, it says, And when the devil had finished every temptation. Not just those three. There has to be more. Why? Because in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, He was tempted in all ways. We're talking about our Lord, talking about our high priest, who he was, how he can be sympathetic for our needs and our cares. Why? Because he was tempted in all ways. Yet what? Without sin. Our Lord suffered greatly. Our Lord was tempted in all ways, yet He did not sin. And that makes Him that perfect sacrifice for us. That perfect sacrifice that only He can make. Being tempted, yet He did not sin. Brethren, I'll tell you, Satan is still up to his old tricks. He hasn't given up on these things. These examples that we look at, we look at for a reason. Because Satan still uses these same kind of tactics to steer us away from God's Word. To steer us away from the brethren. To steer us away from the faith that we need to have. He is the father of lies. Jesus said so in John 8, verse 44. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father... He is a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. If you want to know what the opposite of the truth is, it's the things the devil speaks. And if the things being spoken are opposite of the truth of God's word, they're from the devil. He's the father of lies. Scripture says so. Our Lord said so. Those things that stand in opposition to God's Word, those things are from the devil. He still uses that. He still twists God's Word. He still lies about it. And we're still subject to those lies if we're not careful. He is a roaring lion. Still stalking the earth. Yes, his power has been limited. But he still stalks the earth. Back there in Job, remember when they came to present themselves before God? And there was Satan with them. God asked him, where have you been? Remember what he said? Twice. Walking around on the earth. What Peter says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Be sober. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, Seeking someone to devour. Does that sound like a complacent adversary? Does that sound like someone who doesn't really care if you obey the truth or not? Sounds like a predator to me. A roaring lion? Seeking someone who he might devour? 
Those are the actions of a predator. The devil is described in that way, and that's what he is. And that describes him very accurately, a roaring lion, seeking someone whom he might devour. And he still tempts us. He's referred to as the tempter there in the Gospels when our Lord is being tempted by him. In 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 5, Paul says, For this reason, when I could not endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor would have been in vain. The tempter tempting you. Just like he did our Lord. There's temptation there. In James chapter 1 and verses 14 and 15, it says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it gives birth to death. It brings about death. We're tempted by the tempter. Just as our Lord was there in the wilderness when he's tempted those 40 days. The devil's still up to the same old tricks. Still tempting us. And he exploits our weakness. Talked about Jesus there in those 40 days that he's out there in the wilderness fasting. He's tired. He's hungry. He suffered as a man would because he was a man. And the devil came and exploited that weakness. He was tempted during that time. At the end of that time, you see the devil pouring it on. You're hungry here. There's some stones. Turn those into bread. He exploits our weaknesses too. 2 Timothy verse two, or chapter 2, verse 26. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. The devil can hold us captive. Hold us captive to do his will. He preys on our weaknesses. We have to be on the alert for that. Satan is still up to his old tricks. He's not going to quit, not ever, not until the end of time. But brethren, there's good news. He can't be defeated. One, by the actions that our Lord has taken. It's already greatly limited his power. He bruised him on the head, just like was said so many years ago, so long ago in that first proclamation. We can still defeat him. In James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. Seems pretty simple. Is that all there is to it? 1 Peter 5, we read verse 8 a minute ago about the roaring lion. Look what it says in verse 9. But resist him. There's that word again, resist. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. I make this point often about the power of the devil. He is so powerful, he can lead us astray, exploit our weaknesses, twist God's word. All those things, all those tools in his toolbox that he can bring about and bring on us and use against us our weaknesses, all those things that he has in his toolbox. What does Scripture say about defeating him? Resist him. 
I love it when Scripture is so simple. I love it when we can look in Scripture and see, here's a simple answer. Resist the devil. The remedy is easy. Resist. Putting in practice may be a little bit harder. Maybe a little bit harder to put that in practice. But brethren, that's our number one weapon to defeat the devil is to resist him. And understanding that there are brethren doing the same thing, what Peter says there. Knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. There's brethren all over the world that are being tempted by the devil. Just like we are. Just like I am. Just like each and every one of us are. Scripture says resist him. There's something I read that I wanted to share with you. As I was researching for this lesson, someone wrote this about this idea of the devil still tempting us today. It says, Satan still speaks to us today, and it will be in our best interest to recognize when. Whenever you hear God's word attacked or contradicted, he is speaking. Whenever God's word is being doubted or twisted, his forked tongue is moving. <coughs> Whenever God's word is mocked or dismissed, Satan is not far away enjoying a brief victory. He speaks through neighbors and friends, parents and siblings, teachers and classmates, sitcoms and cinema, celebrity and musical lyrics, and even some in the religious world. The devil is still out there. He still has those same ways of attacking us, exploiting our weaknesses, twisting God's word, but as I said, resist him. Easy to say, maybe harder to put in practice. But brethren, I'll encourage you to resist the devil. We see these three examples of the devil speaking in God's word. Starting off very at the very beginning, I made that comment. There's the devil right at the very beginning. We get all the way over to Revelation. It talks about the end of the devil. When he will be cast into that lake of fire. His eternal destruction is awaiting him, just like all those who are outside the faith. Sometimes I think we picture that idea of being, of being tormented in hell by the devil. The devil has the same fate. He's going to be cast into that same lake. He's headed for that same destruction. He's trying to bring as many people with him as he can. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How do we do that? It starts by being a child of God. Like I made mention, those outside the world, the devil has his hand in their life. He has them. Those who have come to be a child of God, those are who the devil's after. Look at who he attacked in the examples that we looked at. Job, a righteous man. Adam and Eve, the first man and woman. He set about attacking them as soon as he could. And he attacked our Lord. The man who brought salvation to the earth, the devil attacked him, tried to get him to turn. If our Lord had, we would not have a hope of salvation, brethren. But what did Jesus do? He resisted the devil. He refuted him by quoting scripture to him. That's a lesson to us as well. Understanding and knowing what the will of God is, putting it into practice. 
knowing that what great high price was paid for our sins. We know the plan of salvation, brethren. You've heard me say it before. Hearing and believing, repenting. So very important. These steps that need to be taken. Confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Confessing Him before men. He will confess us before His Father. From Matthew 10, verse 32. Once we have done that, once we have heard and believed, and we've repented and confessed, the last thing that we do is we need to be buried in baptism, washing away our sins, raised up out of that a new creature. And then we are a son of God. We are a child of God once we do that. The last thing that we do, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. From Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Resist the devil. Our life as Christians, as we set about it, as we come up out of that water, we set about knowing the devil is going to be trying to tempt us. Resist him. If you are subject to that gospel call, if you need further study on the ideas of what it takes to become a Christian, we welcome that. We welcome you to come. Let us know that. I'm happy to study with anyone at any time. Talk about the plan of salvation. What it takes to become a child of God. If you're subject to that call or if you have not resisted the devil the way you should, and you need the prayers of the congregation, we can strengthen each other in this fight. We're all fighting the same fight. If you need those prayers, you can let that be known as well. You can do that by coming forward. If there's anything that we can do for you, let us know by coming forward as we stand and sing.
if you can change.